Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 24th, um, and we are reading from the big book. Um, we are on page XXXI, the third paragraph down, which begins, When I Need a Mental Uplift. Today's readers are Janice on the 12 Steps, KDF on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Marita, Du, Paula, and Marjorie. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 23rd, is 5656. OA Preamble. OA Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice to read the 12 steps. Thank you, and my name is Janice. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried 
to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. I will now ask Katie F. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Such problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Katie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So please make sure you're muted when you're not speaking. Uh, today, we resume our study of the big book on page XXXI, the third paragraph down, which begins, When I Need a Mental Uplift. And I'm going to ask Marita to begin the reading and to read two paragraphs, please. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Marita a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die 
He was rescued by a searching party and, in desperate condition, brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort. Unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the, quote, willpower to resist the impulse to drink. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology, and we doubted if even that would have any effect. Okay, so here is another example that Dr. Silkworth is presenting to us um, to help us understand the plight of the alcoholic. And um, this guy is basically trying to kill himself. You know, he's uh, he's uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna hang out in this barn and starve to get death. I guess I don't know, um, but he's um, he's extremely depressed. People actually had to drag him into this uh, into this hospital, and uh, they dried him out. And uh, once he was dried out completely, he still was extremely depressed. He felt completely defeated, completely hopeless. Right? Because um, if you want to kill yourself, that's probably where you've got to be. You've got to be ready to just um, turn off the light, turn off the life light, because. You can't take it anymore, and it's better to die than to keep on struggling the way the way your life is going um, in your in your estimation. So, um, so I, in my experience, it absolutely is the case that many of us have extremely deep depression when it comes to our complex problems, which are seriously exacerbated. By this, uh, by this addiction, and uh, it does seem absolutely hopeless. And many of us have suicidal ideation. Um, but the good news is, is that there is a solution. So I can, and and that the first step is admitting my powerlessness. So even that deep, desperate depression is the first step that I can take towards the solution. Admitting my complete defeat is the bedrock on which the whole program springs. Uh, that's sort of paraphrasing uh, the, the 12 and 12, the first step in the 12 and 12. So I'm so grateful that we are still alive, <laughs> that, that, uh, that suicide is not the only answer that I have, that, that the 12 steps, and the 12 traditions and this wonderful fellowship is a, a much, much better answer. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. Uh, who would like to share in these two paragraphs? Katie from Boston. Janice. Janice. Okay, I heard Katie uh, and Janice and someone in between. Who is the in-between? That would be Paula. Okay, so Katie, Paula, and Janice. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Um, I've been sober this morning. Love this paragraph. I'm just getting right into the text. Deciding his situation hopeless, and he had hidden in a deserted barn, determined to die. 
I mean, how many times did I, in a state of um, of abstinence, um, say, okay, you know what? Forget it. This is, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't go on. My situation is. Um, you know, I, I I have no choice. I have absolutely no hope. And, um, you know, when I first, I read this several months ago um, and at a meeting, and um, it wasn't the first time, but when I read it, um, I just thought, yeah, like my best thinking was let me just, let me just go, let me just go, let me just stay in my house for the rest of my life. I, I, I have nothing else to do. I, I can't do anything. And um, I love the talk about the willpower. I didn't have any willpower. I mean, how many times did people say to me, okay, you know what, just just don't eat it. Just just pay attention to the people. You know, if it's there, pretend it's not there, you know. And um, and I did. I thought, there, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that can save me. Um, you know, and it reminds me of the of the bedevilment in in we agnostics and how it talks about you know the um, we make heavy going of life. You know, I am prone to misery and de- and depression, and um, I'm I, I don't want to go on anymore because the thing is, not drinking, not eating is miserable, and when I am eating, I'm miserable. So my entire state became miserable. Um, and and I didn't I didn't know what else to do and and thank you God for this desperation I mean desperate means you know wanting something so bad I'm gonna go to any lengths I'm I'm desperate and all I knew when I was dying in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous both in relapse and then outside of relapse in a thin body was that what I was doing was not working. So if you're on this line and all you know is that everything that you've tried has not worked, we have a solution for you that works because that's all I knew. And I was willing to just try to do whatever I was told based on the instructions out of the book to stay abstinent, clean and clear and do the instructions so that I no longer have to live a desperate, hopeless life. I love my life today. I've been given the opportunity to live many lives in one lifetime. And I have the privilege of being a human being in society again and not hiding in a, in a barn wanting to die. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Paula? Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, you know, it, it's strange. It's such a dark paragraph. But look at what it begins with. When I need a mental uplift. Well, isn't that when the light shines the brightest, when I need a mental uplift? And it's preceded by a beautiful uh, paragraph of what has emerged with the, uh, the man previous to this man. But I want to go on just, just, just for a moment here. I often think of another case brought in by a uh, physician prominent in New York. So we see what followed this. The patient had made his own diagnosis. Well, there you go. So who's in charge there? Always, I made my own diagnosis and decided his situation hopeless. There you go. Again, and there you go. You go to the bottom. You go to the pit. And he hid in a deserted barn, determined to die. No mention of family, friends, job. Nothing didn't really matter because, see, he, did, he was determined to die. In this black picture that is painted here, we start with we need a mental uplift. Well, don't we all? Don't we all? 
That's why we have each other. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Janice? Thank you, Kathy and Division for You. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Yeah, when I need a mental uplift, that means, you know, how many times, you know, this doctor was discouraged. He was discouraged by seeing people fail, you know, that really didn't have the solution that we have today. So he turns his mind over somebody that did get the solution, and um, it shows us that, like myself, I had alibis galore for not putting the food down. You know, I had to make a choice. Well, I used to say, you know, well, I'm old, you know, for the rest of my life, I might as well eat. You know, what else is there? I'm going to die anyway. Um, You know, that's my thinking. That's how I used to think. Um, Of course, today, thank you, God, I made the right choice um, not to die because I'm still here. Naturally. Now, I wanted to note. I wanted to note that in the very second paragraph, it's very important. You see, Bill repeats himself. Following the elimination of alcohol, and in this paragraph, it says following his physical rehabilitation. So there's two times in one page, twice, that it shows us that abstinence has to come first. So when we make that decision to put the food down and we're not discouraged, there's hope here that, okay, it's telling us twice, put the food down and then we will give you the solution. Because, you know, his plan, the plan of recovery was a waste of effort if your food isn't isn't down or the alcohol isn't down. So if Bill says it in two places and the 100 men and women have got recovered, this is telling us this is the pattern that we have to follow. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to share on these paragraphs? Good morning. This is Bella. Can I share? Yes, go ahead, Bella. Thank you. Good morning. This is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. I love this paragraph. It's a very, very hope, hope uh, paragraph, and it gives me hope. And it reminds me me, and it's, it's exactly my story in different words. Yes, before I was in program, I really, I really came to a dead end, and I felt I am dying, at least emotionally. I thought that I can run my my life, and I failed. I thought that I can run other people's life, and I failed. Yes, I was dying emotionally. I I lost myself. I lost my trust in myself, and yes, I did lose my self-esteem. And it's amazing that uh, when I need a mental uplift, yes, God had so much patience to me. He had so much patience. And till I came to this point of dead end, now it's my choice. Either I choose to die or I choose to for a solution. And thank you, God, that I had a miracle and I was able to choose 
to change, to change, to live a different life. And the program taught me that, yes, I am human. I am a happy human being and I don't have control. I don't have, I am powerless. But still God gave, gave me and gave all human beings a power, a power to take responsibility on my own life, to choose, to be able to choose. And it's only to do the better choice one day at a time. And when I can do a good choice, when I put down the food, when I put down all those kind of foods that they are poison for me, that they, that they are a blockage for my thinking, a blockage to my mind. And then when I put down those kinds of food, then when I wake up, oh, Bella, take responsibility. This is your choice. And I can do the right choice one day at a time when I am connected to God, when I know that I am here as an agent. I have, I want to accept his will for me and not mine. Only when I put down the food, when I am not running compulsively after the food in a deny way. No, and then when I get my willpower. Yes, I have the willpower when I am connected to God, when I am here to do his will and not mine. Not all the time, God's will is comfortable for me. Not all the time I understand God's will for me. It doesn't matter. Thy will, not mine, be done. And this is my willpower. And thank you, God, that you brought me to this wonderful path of spirit to live. And thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Uh, this is Kathy. I'm going to take a turn here, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And as I'm listening to everybody, um, I identify so much. And yet there's one one aspect of my experience which hasn't been mentioned. And um, for so many years before getting to Vision for You, um, I was doing half measures. Um, I would read parts of the big book and say to myself, well, I was never really that bad. Um, and I really didn't identify with the the desperation um, that's described here and the depression that's described here. And yet, today, having uh, done a, a thorough inventory in step four, um, I realized that I was quite miserable. I just uh, ran away from that misery with on and off eating um, and uh, with, um, you know, just sort of coping with life but not really contributing and experiencing the joy of life that I do today. So um, for anyone who's um, perhaps not identifying strongly for me, it took repeated failures to stay abstinent um, before I got it, before I realized that, in fact, I was powerless. And that's, after all, 
what we need to do in step one is to accept our powerlessness. Um, so it comes to us at different paces, at different moments, um, and I'm just so grateful that today I can read these two paragraphs and realize, yes, this was me, and yes, it was uh, witnessing other people recovering um, that gave me a mental uplift as well as the clarity of what could be um, if I was willing to do this work. And with that, I pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share before we move on? This is Janet. Okay, I heard um, Janice and somebody else. Kim? Kim. Leah. Okay, Janice. Kim, and then Leah. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we're in the doctor's opinion, and the doctor, Dr. Silkworth, is telling us one more example, one more story from his own experience. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. But he begins this paragraph by saying, when I need a mental uplift. And it reminds me that Dr. Silkworth had seen many, many, many alcoholics who could not get sober and stay sober. You know, his experience had been that he would bring these men in, dry them out, like he's talking about here, and then work what they had, which was moral psychology. You know, talk therapy, trying to figure out how to help these men and how discouraging it must have been sometimes to watch these people regain some physical health perhaps like this man and then watch them go back out and drink again and drink again. And here he's talking about this patient who had been hopeless, hopeless, because what had been his experience? He could not get sober and stay sober. And physically close to death, he was brought in to be treated by Dr. Silkworth. And once Dr. Silkworth helped him regain some of his physical health, this gentleman told him, you know, no one has ever been able to tell me that my willpower was enough. And this man had gone out again and again trying to use his own willpower to get sober and stay sober and couldn't do it. Well, I don't know about you, but that was me. That was me. And I kept trying. Dig deep, I would tell myself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Try what you know, your knowledge, and apply it against this problem. But it never, ever worked. And I, once again, I would find myself picking up that first bite. And then the phenomenon of craving would set in once I had ingested these foods. And there I would be, just like this man, demoralized, desperate, and once again in the food. You know, this man, Dr. Silkworth said, his alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great and that was mine, too. My food problem was so complex to me, and my depression about it so great, 
that I didn't think there was any hope for me. And so they tried what they had, which was moral psychology. They had, they believed, a way of trying. And perhaps for some people it worked. But for me it never worked. And I tried all of these methods. I tried all of these methods again and again. And thank God for the information in this book. You know, when we accept the plan outlined in this book and we work these steps as if our life depends on it, we put the food down, we eliminate all the foods that we know cause us the phenomenon of craving, and we work the steps, then hope is born in us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Kim, you're next. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And what strikes me today, you know, we've, we're wrapping up this doctor's opinion, and the doctor has given us some really hard truths. I mean, we're being told that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. You know, we're being told that we have this allergy of the body, which is never, ever going to change. It's never going to let us safely drink alcohol or eat our binge foods. And we also have this obsession of the mind that is going to dominate us, that's going to stalk us, that's going to make us eat again. So we are in this desperate situation. We can't eat because of the allergy of the body, and we can't not eat because of the obsession of the mind. So the doctor says, what is the solution? And you notice he can't give it in words. He has to give it in two examples that he has with his patients. Because let's face it, the steps don't make sense. They don't make sense. We come in here because we're obese. We come in here because we're anorexic. We come in here because we're binging and purging either by throwing up or laxatives or over-exercise. And we're told we have to get a connection with a higher power. We have to make amends. We have to do it. It doesn't make any sense. So his only way of demonstrating that is to give two examples here of patients he had who he had diagnosed as doomed, diagnosed as hopeless. So what are the commonalities between these two stories? The big one I see in the first story, it says following the elimination of alcohol. In the second story, it says following the physical rehabilitation. So we have to put the food down first. And the second part is, in the first story, we're told he accepted the plan on that one in this book. And we're going to be told shortly that this next gentleman we're studying now was sold on the ideas in this book. So first, the food had to go down. And second, they had to implement these steps. It isn't enough to read this book. It isn't enough to listen to a vision for you. We have to apply these principles. And why is that? That, sec- that last, um, last line in that first paragraph we read, he uh, says, uh, I'm sorry, we had a talk with him in which we frankly stated he, he thought the treatment was a waste of time unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. So for those of us who are new to OA, or especially for those of us like me that spent decades coming in and out of the fellowship, thinking, teach me the willpower. Teach me how to moderately eat. For those of us who are in the rooms who still think food and weight is our problem, food and weight is our problem, 
if I can learn to control and enjoy my eating, I will be okay. But what is this doctor's opinion telling us? I'm just going to read from page 34 because this is where we have to get to. It says here, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit on a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power of choice whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt we had a plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it is impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity of wish. So for those of you out there, and I know myself, my experience was if I can work these steps, if I can, if I can do these tools enough, I'll get the willpower, the willpower to get rid of the weight, and once I get thin, I will be okay. And then I can moderate my eating. This is the baffling feature. Whether we can quit on a non-spiritual basis, if you can quit on a non-spiritual basis, maybe you aren't as seriously alcoholic as I am. But that is what this story is talking about. Put the food down, implement the steps. I don't care if it makes sense or not. The book is not dependent on you believing it. The book is dependent on you doing it. And then you can have the spiritual experience that I have, which is I no longer want to eat my binge foods today. The obsession has been removed. I have a neutrality around the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Leah. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. I believe we're speaking about Roland Hazard here in AA's history. Um, But I relate to that, you know, getting to that point um, of exhaustion, sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, I had tried everything else. Uh, I had experienced almost two decades of mayhem in this disease. Nothing had worked. No treatments, remedies, methods that I could come up with had worked. I was a completely destroyed human being, and I felt hopeless. Uh, just like this fellow. Um, You know, I I remember that feeling of of lying on my bedroom floor surrounded by some shattered glass. I was going to attempt, you know, uh, perhaps to end this pain. The disease had stripped me of self-esteem and had stripped me of any self-worth, of dignity, of decency, of integrity, of honesty, and any pride. Uh, you know, and long before I got to this point, it had taken that, all that. Long before I got to you guys, it had stripped me of all this. You know, addiction is different than any other illness because only in addiction does the sufferer, when given an opportunity to arrest his or her illness, say, I'll think about it. I mean, that happens all the time. I get the phone calls. <laughs> you know, it's the only disease known to man where a person who has uh, this illness and has suffering and pain has no enthusiasm for recovery. It's comical and tragic at the same time. 
Um, but it goes on to say here, uh, you know, his alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology, and we doubted if even that would have an effect. You know, we're going to turn the page soon, and we're going to re- read that he was sold on these ideas. You know, step one is not a feel-good step. Powerlessness feels very uncomfortable. And the more powerless we realize we are, the worse it feels. At least that's my personal experience. This is not a feel-good step. This fellow is not feeling good. Uh, And the purpose of step one in powerlessness is to empty out any residual notion that we actually have any willpower, any power within our own resources, within our own selves, within human aid to help or heal ourselves. It's not a feel-good step. When we're dredging the bottom of the pit and realize there's nothing there, we are starting to do step one. We have to find an inner lack of strength. It has to be empty. At least that's my experience. You know, there is no depth to which uh, I could not sink and no wretchedness that I could not be prepared to try out in this illness. It, it took everything from me. This disease was dragging me around from the roots of my hair. And it was only at the point um, of terror and hopelessness uh, that I was ready to throw myself at this program and be sold onto these ideas. The big book says we are beaten into a state of reasonableness. But I also want to add, before I shut up, that it says uh, we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. It seems hopeless. It's not hopeless at all. As you'll hear, numbers of recovered compulsive overeaters come forward and say that their lives have been transformed. It seems hopeless, but it is a painful place to be. But pain was the greatest motivator for someone like me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. Do, can you read that for us? Good morning. This is Do, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Um, good morning, everyone. It says, however, he did not become, he, I'm sorry, however, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for many great years. I see him now and then, and he is a fine specimen of man, of manhood as he could wish to be to me. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book. Through and through, perhaps he came to Scott. He may remain to pray. Will M.D. Silkworth, M.D. Wow, this is so amazing. Um, and some of it, so, so much of it has already been covered. But, um, you know, what I see here is he became sold on the ideas contained in this book. And, you know, when, you, when you're sold something, you're actually buying into something. And, you know, and he says that he became sold on the ideas. What are the, some of the ideas that we've been reading here? Well, one, that we have a, a physical allergy, and that triggers you know, um, triggers us to compulsive overeating that we can't put our binge foods down unless we identify the fact that we have an allergy, you know, that certain substances causes and triggers us to compulsively overeat. 
we need to be able to identify those. And the other thing is, is the mental obsession that keeps us <laughs> from putting down the food and also keeps us in that continual uh, space when we put down the food, you know, that it tells us that we can't stop. And on page um, 30, it says that, you know, the bigger aspect of our disease is that, you know, it's the mental obsession. And it says the idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking or his eating is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker or compulsive overeater. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing, and many pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. And isn't that what we're reading about these examples that, you know, it got so bad. It got so desperate. People got so desperate from trying to find a way out that they couldn't. And they pursued death versus finance solution, which they didn't have at the time. But, you know, the great news is we don't have to figure it out today. People have pioneered before us and shown us a way. You know, they have written this book out exactly outlining each and every step to be able to recover, to be able to return back to health, as the doctor had said initially in this book, you know, that he witnessed people returning back to health. That meant that they were physically being restored and they were mentally, emotionally, and spiritually being restored. That's great news. You know, and it says, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics, that I'm a compulsive overeater. I need to fully concede that. That's step one. I need to break down those barriers. How do I break down those barriers? It says this is the first step in recovery, that the delusion that we are like other people and presently maybe has to be smashed. Has to be smashed. How do we smash that idea? How do we smash the mental obsession? How do we do that? You know, first, as mentioned, we put down the food. We put down the food. And then we pick up the steps. That's how we smash the idea. We take up these steps. We continue to do them progressively with someone that's pioneered before us. Pick up the tools. Get into action. And then you'll get the results. But you have to fully concede it first because no one can convince you. A person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still, you know. And one of the things that I learned through this is that, you know, if you really want this, if you really want this program and you're sold on these ideas contained in this book, there's no one that's going to be able to stop you. However, if you're not sold on this idea, if you don't want this, there's no one that's going to be able to drag you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is, this is Larry. ADV. Okay, I heard Larry. And who else? Sharon Mar- from Boston. Marjorie. Okay, Katie and Marjorie. Is there someone else on this? Sharon. Sharon. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, so Larry, Katie, then Marjorie, Sharon. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Larry, uh, uh, compulsive overeater uh, from Chicago. Um, you know, the, the, the part uh, within this paragraph that 
that resonates with me is just the fact that, you know, identifying someone who's no longer recognizable. I mean, um, that's me. You know, there's great hope in that. You know, you would not recognize, um, had, for the people that knew me um, before I came into program and before I had the spiritual transformation, because for me, my, you know, my journey was, uh, you know, kicking and, and, and scratching and biting through the whole thing. I, I, I just, uh, I wanted to believe that I was terminally unique. I was terminal, all right, but I wasn't unique in any way. You know, now, you know, by the grace of, of God, I'm, I'm a different man. You know, you, you wouldn't recognize me. You know, what, what I was like before, smashing windshields. Um, this is a grown man, a father, you know, uh, someone on paper, if you will, that looked pretty good. I looked pretty good. Um, the weight started to come off, you know, because I, I was a, a, an exercise bulimic. Um, you know, I had all the degrees. I went all the way in school. I could manipulate anything, you know, and um, from my own end. I was, um, you know, you talk about ego being smashed. Um, it was all about Larry. You know, that's what it was. And I would tell you, and I believed it wasn't, and I would present evidence that, uh, that, you know, that I was a swell guy. But the reality is, is that I, I, I wasn't. And it, it, it was by a miracle of this program that I am a, a new, you know, that a rebirth occurred as a result of taking these steps. You know, I don't have to tear anybody down anymore. I can, I can live in integrity. Putting down the food, that's the least of it. Now, for someone that's, you know, that's a, that's a big person. That, that seems to be the primary thing. That's what brings us to the rooms. But that's the least of it to me today. Today, I live in integrity. Today, um, I'm honest. Today, although human, I will never have an experience outside the human experience, so I'm imperfect. Nonetheless, I am an individual that you can count on. Look, I've burnt through two marriages. I've had two liposuction surgeries. I've, you know, I would do anything, pills, anything, anything to be thin. Because after all, isn't that what would make us happy is to be thin? No, what, what makes me happy today is by, the, by working these steps um, as they're laid out in the big book. Um, I've had a spiritual transformation, and I, I've had a rebirth, and I'm a new person, and I, I serve others, and I want to serve others. I don't need the food anymore. Um, I don't, there, because there wasn't, a, you know, that hole was too big to fill. It was unfillable. Today, I'm filled with the, with the spirit, and I could not do that myself. And uh, no self-knowledge, no amount of reading, no amount of experience. Your experience, it wouldn't have done it for me. I had to experience, experience the spiritual transformation myself. And the only way that I was able to do it was by working these steps. I don't know why it worked, and I don't know why I'm the guy that it worked on. I just know that it did. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Uh, Katie, it's your turn. Every, good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Recovered from Boston. Um, I just wanted to share on that line. Though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. And what is scoff? Is what is scoff? Scoff is an expression of contempt. And it brings me to page 568 um, where it talks about there is one thing that will keep you in everlasting ignorance, and that principle is contempt 
prior to investigation. And here's what contempt is. It's bitter scorn. It's dislike. It's defiance. It's disrespect. It's disregard. It's despising. It's the I know. It's the I know. And how much did I know? Like the previous speaker said, I came in here and I was so desperate and I was so, and then I picked up this book and I was like, I know. Do you know who I am? I'm Katie G from Boston. I don't need your whatever. Like, just give me the give me the meal plan. Help me do help, and and I'll I'll take it the rest. You guys may have to do your steps or your stairs or your whatever, but I'm just gonna take what you whatever. I'm gonna take what I like, and I'm gonna do a little of this, 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 and this, so I can get there and be happy and least. Because y'all are special, bus twelve step, but not me, right? And the most important thing I know, thank you, God, I am no longer scoffing. Thank you, God, the most important thing I know today is that I don't know. That when my sponsor makes a suggestion, that I'm not saying, oh, no, I know, I know, I know, I tried, I tried, I know. Because it is a spiritual principle to be for me in my life to say, you know what, I don't know. All I know is that I'm an expert on my failures and the things that I've done wrong. And thank you, God, I am no longer scoffing, and I am now praying and open. And I'm open because I'm not eating and because God continues to remove from me my selfishness, my resentment, my dishonesty, and my fear, the manifestations of self that block me from God. So if you're sitting here and you're in contempt or you're like, yeah, 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 Stay here. I'm a hard nut to crack. And you know what? The pain that got me here and got me desperate and got me to shut my mouth and do some do the work is what broke me open and continues to break me open to say, you know what? I don't know. Who's going to teach me today? Because I'm really ready to learn. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Marjorie? Good morning, A Vision for You. It's Marjorie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I want to draw attention to Dr. Silkworth's sentence. He has not had a drink for a great many years. And I want to speak in terms of numbers. This book came out in 1939. The man that he's talking about came in contact with the ideas in this book. So between when the man saw the ideas and when Dr. Silkworth is writing, was perhaps five years. It's been as many decades as that since this was launched. There have been people who have stayed away from alcohol for more than five years in that period of time. There are people who have remained abstinent with regard to food for five, ten, fifteen 20, 25, 30, 35 years based on what this book is suggesting. There are people on this line who have stayed abstinent for as many years. If that's not convincing, I'll leave that sentence open. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Marjorie. And Sharon. Press star one, Sharon. Uh, Kathy, hi. This is uh, Sharon. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. 
Okay, thank you, Kathy. Uh, and thank you for your service. This is Sharon, a um, grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And uh, I just wanted to uh, stress on that. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book and has not had a drink since then or for a great many years. And um, I could relate in identifying in uh, from uh, another addiction the, the desperate uh, hopelessness that was felt uh, with this man and um, have experienced that recovery. But the amazing thing today is I did believe after many years in this program and many, many, many failures that this was just going to be the way it was for me. Um, I had just given up, really, because no matter what I tried, it, it didn't work. But I do see today that I'm a slow learner. I'm a slow learner know-it-all. And it wasn't until I started listening to this meeting, and by God's grace, someone told me about this meeting, and that was July of 2012, um, everything changed. And it was in this doctor's opinion, listening to it line by line, paragraph by paragraph, that the light went on, and I am so grateful to be here today. I am so grateful to be a part of this um, OA Vision for You meeting phone line, and I am so grateful to uh, be abstinent and to be seeing um, what my life can really be like and is like after having gone through these steps and now working with others and so I am just so grateful uh, today uh, to have that hope that I just did not have and lost completely in regards to um, this being a possibility to be recovered and stay recovered. And uh, so I'm just very grateful to be here. I'm grateful to everybody out on the line and to all of you for all your service. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Sharon. We have time for one more share. Anybody want to share? This is Bella. Can I share? Go ahead, Bella. Thank you. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. It's so wonderful. It's ideas. It's not a book with rules that if I don't follow the rules, I will get punished. It's not a book that if I do what it's written in the book, I will get a mark. No, it's ideas how to live my life, to live a, a meaningful life, to live a life, a peaceful life. Now, it's the ideas of the, bo of the book is all about the program. First of all, it's a we program. It's not me. We are here all together. It doesn't matter who we are, where we live, uh, if we are men, women, any race, any religious. No, we are here all together to share our experience, strength, and hope. Now, why we have to share? Because I am human. I don't know everything. I don't know everything all the time. Yes, I am willing to learn, to learn new ideas, to learn 
new behaviors, how I am, how I can learn by listening to experiences. And this is all the stories, you know, every story, it's me, you know, and, and I am here to listen and to hear. Now, another thing in the program is to give and to get, to give my experience and to get our, uh, other ideas. Now, when I can give, when my own house is clean, when my own house is clean, this is when I can give to others. So it's so different than before the program. Before the program, I was busy all the time with others. You know, only other people have to change. Now it's all about me. Yes, where I can change, where can I do a better choice one day at a time? And this is the hope. This is the strength. Yes, I get the strength by being part of a big family. And this is the steps. You know, what is tw the 12th step? You know, to... To be spiritual, to give over my life, not to teach. You know, there is no a program of teaching, of right. a, a teacher and student relationship, or doctor and patient. No, we are here all together at the same, at the same path, at the same. We we all have the same hope, the same the same solution, and you know when I'm. It's time to stop. Can you wrap up? Yes, so thank you very much, and it's a wonderful feeling to be part of this, this wonderful family. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Thank you, everyone, who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and then we'll say the serenity prayer together. Paula, uh, could you do this reading for us? A vision for you? Gratefully, and thank you for your service and all that have shared today. This is Paula Recovered Compulsive Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.